we're talking about belief and uh, some of the core beliefs we have as a church, and uh, I'm going to be talking today about creation, so buckle your seatbelts. I got a lot, I do have a lot of information, he's right, and uh, so don't, what, I, what I want you to do, don't get bogged down in the information, take it for what it is, and then understand the heart behind what I'm doing, I, I want you to understand why we're created, okay? So um, let's get started here. God has revealed us, himself to us. Uh, he's done it through creation. He's done it through scriptures. Um, and the problem is sometimes we have an incomplete understanding of these things. Not, not all of us understand all of, all of scriptures. We don't see all of creation to know everything. But I feel like the, the deeper we go into these things, the more we see God. And if you are delving into scripture, you can see more about his creation and vice versa. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to share this. Um, the issue that comes about is we have uh, society and we have scientists, scientific community a lot of these people have kind of rejected this teaching of God, and they've uh, set up kind of a, a deception about it. And um, when you learn through that perspective, it makes it very difficult, and you're going to have some big problems later on. And I'll, I'll get more into that a little bit later. But I just want you to make sure you understand we want to know why we're created, that we were created, and why we were created. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. I pray that you would just be here. As I speak, I pray that you give me the words to say. I pray that eyes and ears are open and that your word goes forth, Lord God. I love you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start. I'm going to do it uh, kind of a couple sections here. I'm going to start with uh, the biblical foundation, and then we'll move into some science. Science, that's my favorite part. I like the Bible, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> favorite part of this sermon. How about that? Um, Let's start with the biblical foundation. So as I was looking through some parts of the Bible, I found a really rare verse. You guys have probably never seen this one before. Um, it's from Genesis 1.1. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Done. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so the Hebrew here, the heavens and earth, it literally means the totality of all things. That's everything. Okay, so make sure you keep that in mind. In Psalm 33, 6, the psalmist says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Can you just picture that right now? Starry host, out. So awesome. Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is a prayer of Moses. And what's cool about this verse is it kind of sets us up to understand eternity a little better because most people think of eternity and you think, well, I'm an eternal being. My soul, my spirit are going to live forever, right? Eternity doesn't just mean living this way. It's everything behind us. It's past eternity as well. So Moses kind of shows us through this prayer. Uh, the psalmist recreates it, and he's, and he's saying everlasting to everlasting, all the way back, all the way forward. Eternity, God is. Um, Proverbs 8, 27 through 31. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. I think this verse is super powerful. And um, it's in the Proverbs, it's here, um, wisdom personified. 
uh, Jesus personified as wisdom. This is wisdom speaking, but it's Jesus saying, always rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. He loves us, guys. He loves us. So let's move now into the, uh, into the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So we get, we get to see kind of the importance here of that Jesus comes in and, and see the role in which he played from the Father through Jesus. And that's going to be a pattern that we see. In, uh, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John says, In the beginning was the word. And that's an echo back to Genesis 1-1 right there, in the beginning. He's using that. He's catching your attention. And he says, And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now that's a weird statement, but it's a logic statement. It's saying, if you don't have Jesus... There's nothing. Nothing was made. He's making sure you understand the role that Jesus has in creation. So we're seeing that pattern. So creation from the Father through, the, through Jesus, and soon we'll see by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. I just want to set the foundation here. Um, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. I love this part. It, it, not only did he create everything, but he holds it together. He sustains it. And that connotation there holds it together. Um, it, it has a literal uh, connotation of he's standing with us, standing with us. And in Hebrews 1, it mentions him sustaining all things as well. Um, and the words there mean he's carrying us. So he's standing with us and he's carrying us. I just love that. Kind of brings that phrase, uh, he's got the whole world in his hands into perspective a little bit there, doesn't it? Um, so let's step back real quick and let's think about why he created us. We have a lot of these verses that show creation and, and what it's about. But we're not talking about some aloof God. He's not, he didn't just plop us here on earth and say, all right, have fun, I'm out, I'm going on vacation, right? He did rest, he, he took a day and rested, that was good. But he has been, he's shown to be intimately within, involved in all of our lives from creation. Um, even providing for our salvation from sin. First John uh, 4.10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He created us to, be, to love and be loved by him and to have fellowship with him, even to the point of sacrificing Jesus so that we could do that, so we could have fellowship with him. He desires that relationship with us. And he doesn't need our worship, guys. He doesn't need it. But he knows as we worship, the only thing worthy of worship is the creator. We are created beings. We're not gonna worship creation, we're gonna worship our creator. So we'll, we'll come back to that idea here in a few minutes. What I wanna do now is give some uh, evidence, some um, evidence from some of the bigger sciences out there. Um, we know that, that creation is biblically important. We agree with that. 
Um, it's, it's mentioned all throughout the Bible. You, you hear a lot of worship songs that, that quote scripture and they talk about creation, the breath of God, all these things. We had one today. It was awesome. Um, thank you, Rach. Yeah. Um, but I want to provide some natural evidence, some, some scientific evidence for these things. Because many of us have learned science in school, and many of you learned about the Big Bang Theory, you've learned about evolution, all these theories that they have uh, that they say is, are settled science. Um, and the thing is, is when you have theories and you call them settled science, I think it already begins to speak of a deception that's out there. And one of the things that we have to do is use scripture and, and the things we know about God in his creation to pierce through that deception and really discover the truth. Um, so we're going to try, try to do that right now. As a scientist, if you're trying to, to describe creation without the creator, that deception makes sense because you don't have the foundation, you don't have the basis, but we want to see the truth. So let's look at cosmology. Cosmology, uh, most cosmologists agree that there was a definite beginning to the universe. Beginning to the universe. They didn't used to believe that, but they've come to realize this. And uh, this implies that there's a cause that transcends the universe. So something caused the universe to begin to exist. So there's a cause and effect relationship. Many of us learned cause and effect in school. Um, at Thanksgiving time, I gained about 10 pounds. That's the effect. The cause is that I ate all the casseroles. All of them. Yes. She, Lacey's smiling, but she's like, yes, he does eat all the casseroles. <laughs> Nobody gets any broccoli casserole leftovers. Um, so there's this cause-effect relationship, and I want to kind of take us through three steps here in this, in this relationship, talking about the universe. So the first step is whatever begins to exist has a cause. Okay? Logically, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Before creation, as far as our material universe is, is concerned, there was nothingness, okay? So when you think of nothingness, a lot of you think maybe of space. There's like nothing up there. There's a lot of space. We're talking about nothingness. In space, in the vacuum of space, there's energy flying all over the place. There's uh, background radiation. There's matter everywhere. That is not nothingness. This is literal nothingness. It's hard for us to comprehend. But the cool part is, even in scientific terms, all of a sudden, there was photons flying everywhere. Light, traveling at 186 miles per second. Photons everywhere. And then there's matter everywhere. The heavens are created. And then there's heat and energy everywhere. So it went from nothing to all this stuff, okay? Um, there had to be a cause. And some people argue that they have this, this uh, experiment that they did where they were able to create one particle that came out of a vacuum. If, if that's true, okay, I'll give it to you. You, they, you did this thing. Okay, if that's true, if, if the universe started as a vacuum, what created the vacuum, right? So even the things they try to posit, it's like, okay, there's still got to be a, a, an initial cause, right? Okay, so whatever begins to exist has a cause. We got that. The next one is the universe had a beginning. It began to exist. The universe started at a point in time and this concept is supported both in mathematics and other sciences. In mathematics, they discovered that if you, if you take infinity backwards in the past, that it begins to become absurd. And mathematic, math, mathematicians using the word absurd is really funny to me. They, they said that if you have that in infinite past, you have an infinite number of events, and the math doesn't work out, okay? So they said there has to be a starting point, okay? 
scientifically, they, they know that the universe is expanding, okay? So they can see it, they've proven that through a bunch of different things, I don't wanna get into all that stuff. It's like background temperatures and existence of light elements and all this stuff. But the point is, it's expanding, okay? Logically, if you're expanding, you came from a point, right? Origin. Okay, understand how big the universe is, okay? We were camping the other night. We were, we were out in the stars, had our fire, and I looked up and I counted all the stars, okay? Um, there are, don't, please don't believe that. <laughs> uh, there are 100 billion, over 100 billion stars just in our galaxy alone, in the Milky Way galaxy. 100 billion, okay, these are numbers that we don't, like they talk about trillions of dollars and stuff like that. I don't even, those are just computer things. 100 billion stars in our galaxy, physical stars, huge heavenly things in our stars. There is over a trillion galaxies. They've counted this, apparently. I don't know how they do this, but 100 billion stars, 100 trillion galaxies, and most of them have over 100 billion stars. It's, it, it's mind-boggling. It's huge, okay? This is creation. And understand, I'm showing you to support I'm showing you math and science to support the idea for creation. God is infinite. These are, these are still, universes still subject to laws. He's outside all of this. He's infinite. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's creator. Okay, so if whatever begins to exist has a cause, and the universe began to exist, therefore, the universe had a cause, right? This is a logic statement. Universe has a cause. The question is, who caused it? What caused it? They don't really have an answer. And biblically, we know it was God. We've, we've, we know this. Um, but what's cool is that what they're starting to see, and they've been seeing for years now, is that the cause, whatever caused it, set it to these precise calculations and conditions to allow life on planet Earth. This is where we get into physics. This is my favorite part. I love physics. So picture a control room. And you have a, a bunch of dials, big dials, little dials, hundreds of them, right? I want to give you some examples of these dials. This is the universe control room. One of the big dials is the force of gravity, okay? Amongst all the other forces, if you have this force of gravity dial, and it's got like, say, 100,000 increments on it, that's a lot. That's a big dial. If you click this thing one time, then every living thing on the, on, on the planet is crushed immediately. Immediately. This is the force of gravity that had to be set so precisely that we could live. This next one, the cosmological constant, this one is, I don't understand it at all. It's the energy density of empty space. And what I do understand is it affects how the, how the universe expands, at what rate it expands. Okay, don't, let's not get into the details there. But what I want you to know is that the, the, the precision that, this, um, that they found, and they, they found this value and they didn't, according to like first principles of, of uh, the laws of physics, this value was not, they, it could have been any number, but they found that it was really low. And that low number is what allows us to exist. Um, this number, they say that the fine tuning is conservatively estimated to be one part in a hundred million, billion, 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 billion. That's a one followed by 53 zeros. That's how precise this dial has to be. Okay. Earth, 93 million miles away from the sun. 
the sun provides 99% of our energy. If it's 92 million miles away, we die. If it's 94 million miles away, we die. That's how precise this has to be. Our axis, 23.5 degrees. So the Earth, you know, most of the other planets are like this, and the Earth is like this a little bit. So this makes it to where we have seasons, and we have a change in, in our seasons. Um, if, if we didn't have this access, then one side of the Earth would be always facing the sun, and the other side of the Earth would be really cold, really cold. Um, what's cool about this is the moon and the sun work together to create this axis, and this, the moon pulls about 60% of this, and the, the sun pulls about 40% of this. And so literally the moon and the sun are working together to keep us alive. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Okay, so those are some of the big dials. Little dials, there's a difference in mass between neutrons and protons, okay? I don't know what that difference is, but I know if you change it by one seven hundredth, then nuclear fusion in stars will stop. What that means is our sun would stop. Stop burning, stop giving energy, everything dies. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm, what I'm trying to show you is the precision and the fine tuning of our universe, okay? The strong nuclear force, so this is the force. Uh, have you ever held two magnets together uh, from the, both the positive ends and they like push against each other, okay? Uh, protons do that. They have a strong positive force, they're, they're positive. And if you don't have this strong nuclear force, these protons will literally fly away from each other and all atoms break down. Let atoms make everything, okay? Um, oceans are 3.4% salt, just like our bodies, which is kind of strange to me. Um, 5% salt, and we all die. Can't sustain life. Air, the air you're breathing, is 21% oxygen, hopefully, right? Uh, above 23.5% oxygen, and we all fall asleep and die. Below 19.5% oxygen, you don't want to go, you just die, okay? It's bad. These are the precision things. This is an example, a few examples of these things that God has done. The universe happening randomly is just really unlikely, guys. Really unlikely. Just one of these things. This cosmological constant, it drives physics people nuts because they can't explain it. And I'm telling you, I can explain it. God did it. Somebody had to set these laws in place and fine-tune these things. What's cool, what, well, what's funny to me is a lot of times scientists will ask us to define God within these laws. And he created these laws. So he's out here, outside of time and space. It's, it's kind of funny. Ask, ask a physicist what energy is. Do you know what they'll tell you? I don't know. They'll tell you, I can categorize energy into a hundred different things. I can say it has this effect on this at this time when this is doing this. They can give you formulas for energy, but ask them what it is, and they have no idea. Isn't that funny? Uh, one of the cool things I found out is the first law of thermodynamics about energy says that energy, the energy in our universe is constant. So the amount of energy never changes. It cannot be destroyed or created, it's there from creation. It changes forms, they got their formulas, but it's always constant. I think that's really interesting. Okay, so we have the cause, cause and effect, with cosmology, we have these physics dials. Let's move on to bi biology. To make life happen in the first place, you gotta have biological information. 
You gotta, these things have to know how to form, how to do what they gotta do. The cell is an extremely complex set of tiny little machines. These little molecule machines, um, they're considered irreducibly complex systems, okay? Don't get bogged down in that. What it means is you take away a part of this cell and it doesn't work. It's irreducible. You can't, you can't reduce it to something lower. It's, it's got to be what it is or it doesn't work. And in, uh, in Darwin's theory of evolution, he stated himself, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications. That's evolution in a nutshell. Numerous successive slight modifications and natural selection. My theory would absolutely break down. Now, Darwin's problem was that he did not have access to a microscope that could see a cell. He didn't know that when you look at these cells, all bets are off. Cells have something called ribosomes that are like a little uh, assembly line inside your cells, all of your cells. These ribosomes can create any other piece of your cell that's needed precisely when it's needed, even another ribosome to help create more stuff. This is irreducibly complex and they get all their instruction from DNA. The DNA in the nucleus of your cells, each, each strand, so you've got about six feet of DNA in one cell. That's about my height. DNA, one cell. You can't even see the cell, but it's got six feet. It's unbelievable. Your eyeball is made up of millions and millions of cones and rods and nerves that when the optic nerve is connected to your retina lets you see color in 10 million colors. 10 million colors. Can you name 100 colors? 10 million colors, your eyeball. It's, a, it's unbelievable, guys. Red blood cells, if I count to two, one, two, the bone marrow in your body just created two to 10 million red blood cells. Like that. Your brain, most of our brains, I think. Maybe not all of us, but your brain can do 100 trillion computations per second using billions of brain cells and nerve endings. It's, un it's unbelievable. Irreducibly complex systems. Just to make this a little easier to understand, take a mousetrap. A mousetrap has five parts. You take one of those parts away, the mousetrap doesn't work. You take the spring away, now you have a really gross paperweight. Okay? You take the bar thing that slaps down, it's really gross. Um, it doesn't work. It's irreducibly complex. This is what we're trying to show. When they came up with some of these theories, they didn't know this stuff. It's really amazing. Um, one other thing about evolution, um, the probabilities of this happening, of this chance of life happening, just to give you an in, uh, just a small calculation, <laughs> your body's made up of amino acids that make up proteins, okay? These proteins, if you were to take the probability of evolution creating a protein that has 100 amino acids in order, it's a 1 to 10 to the 130th power ratio probability. That's, that's a lot of zeros, guys. Now, keep in mind, this is for one protein made up of 100 amino acids. Proteins can be made up of over 1,000 amino acids sometimes. They all have to be in the right order. Some substitutions are allowed. But you have millions of proteins in your body. Millions. One is one to 10 to the 130th power. This is evidence for creation. This is evidence that he created us. 
So I feel like at this point I need to offer a warning. Um, creation is amazing. The grandeur that he has given us in the universe and even in our own bodies is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But the danger is getting caught up in that and beginning to worship creation rather than creator. Um, let me read to you Romans 1, 20 through 23. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, he has, from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks to him, but thinking, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God, creator, for creation. Rach, can you come? In verse 25, it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. In verse 28, he goes on. It says that they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And so, as that happened, they, he lists all these sins that they fell into. And then he listed the re, the, like what, what they became because of these sins. And the thing that stood out to me the most is they became God-haters. All of this stems from worshiping created things rather than creator. This road of naturalism that uh, some of these evolutionary things and all this stuff, these, what they do is they, they reject God as the origin of life. They reject God for these things and they put something in its place. And you can call it what you want. It's, it's worship. They're, they're worshiping created things. I, I believe we have to get through that deception and we have to see the truth. So everybody, uh, close your eyes. I want to I go back to Genesis. I purposefully didn't read all of the Genesis creation story. I think most of you have heard it. But I do want to go back to Genesis 2-7. As your eyes are closed, I want you to picture this with me. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul, a living being. As your eyes are closed, think about this. God breathing life, life into man. That breath has the connotation of intellect, spirit, and soul. He breathed life, mind, and spirit into dust. At that moment, human DNA with all of the information to make all the cells of an entire body was formed. And he called it very good. What you have to know is that God had to count the cost for this, for his creation. He had to count the cost because he knew that man would sin and that one day he would send Jesus to die for all mankind. As God the Father created man with and through Jesus, remember Jesus was there the entire time. He created an intellect that would one day have to understand the ultimate sacrifice that would be needed, that would have to be made. He created the blood 
that would flow as Jesus was whipped and nailed to the cross. He created a nervous system with pain receptors that would one day be stretched to their limits as Jesus took on the sin of the world. He counted the cost, guys, and he loved us enough to do it anyway. You have to know that he created you. And he created you for a purpose. This is not chance. Chance.